Hi, I'm Dan Cottrell, editor of Rugby Coach Weekly. You're about to jump into one of our podcasts. If you want to find out more about this podcast and also all of the great content, drills, activities, games and advice on the website, then go over to www.rugbycoachweekly.net. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with me, Dan Cottrell. In this podcast, we're going to do an Ask Rugby Coach Weekly when a coach sends in their question to Rugby Coach Weekly team to answer. In the studio, I have Gary Townsend, the Bristol Bears Junior Academy Manager. Welcome to the show, Gary. Thank you, Dan. Good morning to you all. We're going to jump straight in. So this is a question from Mark Paul, North Dorset Colts. We'll listen to Mark ask his question. Hi, Dan. Hope you're all well and enjoying those last few weeks before pre-season kicks in. My name's Mark Paul. I'm from North Dorset Colts. We had a really good season last season, both on and off the field. But one of the things that we could have done better is implement our backs shapes and moves. The boys were amazing in training on a Thursday night, but when it came to match day, tended to stick to the basics, which they did really well, to be fair, rather than try and execute what they had been practicing and enjoying during the week. As coaches, we felt we promoted a safe environment where they could try stuff, use their imagination, be brave or fair, but that seemed to elude them against the opposition. So I'm keen to know, have you got any thoughts on how we could include those calls, those shapes, those moves into a game? Thanks for your help, Dan. Cheers. Now we have listened to what Mark's got to say. Let's start by thinking a little bit about some of the language that he's used before we answer the question. So what's your understanding of backs, moves and shape, Gary? Shape for me is how you set up from each phase of play or from set piece. So the shape is a basic approximate position of players in that back line. That's what I would suggest. It might be to provide options out the back. It might be across the line to get the ball wide, but it's, a, it's an approximation of where you want players to stand in order to attack the line. Move is where you've got, or for me, is where you've got set plays that you might want to change direction of the attack. You want might want to open up a space midfield, so you might play a... Um, a missed pass and then a, perhaps an inside ball but it's a set number of plays in the backs in order to open the space in front of them as well I, how I interpret it. Now with backs we would think that backs would have a couple of moves up their sleeve and we wouldn't disagree that's a good we think that's a good idea. Yeah I do the question I'd ask Mark on this is why he wants to do those moves and what he anticipates come comes from those moves. What is he trying to achieve? Because we've all seen moves which are very complicated and complex and actually a simpler version of it would do exactly the same job and be a lot easier for the players to learn, really. So is a move moving the ball along the back line of the winger to to get width and go round them? Is that a move or is that just general play? That's what I would ask. So I'm thinking here that the backs know that they've got to break the line in some way. But that's what I think. Do you think 
backs actually thinking that way? Or do you think that they are given moves? I'm not saying Mark has done this, but they're given moves for the sake of having a move uh, and perhaps don't really understand the real outcome. It depends on the age of the players and it depends on the experience. And we're having that discussion at the moment within the Junior Academy about the range of experiences that the players have when they come into us and their the different levels of understanding of the game. And getting them to run forward and look for space and go into space, that in itself is, can be quite hard work. Uh, you know, Mark will know his players and he knows where they are. If they understand what they're trying to do, great, then you can layer onto that. If they're just doing things because that's what they've been told to do, and I'm sure that's not the case with Mark from what he says, then I think you're just adding stuff for the sake of adding stuff, really. If they've grasped that they're, what they're trying to do is to score, and that to score, they might go through, they might go round, or they might go over the top. And by over the top, a little kick through or chip through and stuff. But they are in just their main goal, their only goal is to try and score. So if they understand that and if they can execute that simply, and it suggests again from, from what Mark says that their boys' basic skill levels are very good, then I think you can start to build on that a little bit. My understanding is that you would need to use a move or a shape because the defence is organised enough that when you are standing initially, there are no spaces in front of you. Now, there may be spaces behind, there may be spaces wide out, but when the fly half receives the ball, if everyone just ran completely straight, then the defence would be able to snuff out the attack. So you need to have some form of organised movement pattern to start to disorganise the defence. Now, if that's the case, that seems simple enough. However, it all starts to go wrong. Is the problem start with the, the case, not necessarily that the players don't understand they need to go forward, which is, of course, what they need to do, that they don't understand that to disorganise the defence, they have to do something when they're not on the ball. Yeah, I think so. I think it's. I think it's probably. It's even simpler than that, really, because the first thing you have to do is, they have to be able to read the picture that's in front of them. They have to see. So, in general terms, this, this when we attack, the defense do this. Nine times out of ten, the defense do this. Okay, if the defense do this aggressively, then we're in problem. If the defence do this passively, then we can do this. Okay, if the defence are doing this, will our play break that defence down? And if the answer is yes, okay, you don't need a move, do you? If the answer is no, we can't break that defence down, all right, and I've seen the picture and we've played this four times and every time we failed to break that defence, now we need to think about what we're going to do in order to break that defence down. And that's where your tools, if you like, your plays come in. But you and I both have seen, even in international rugby, where a set play has been called and the picture changes. So a player could, have, could make a line break, but they go through the call because they've called it and they don't cancel it 
And the question I ask is, why have you called that set play in the first place? Because you don't know what the, you haven't seen the picture yet. Given that at international level, they are failing to see the picture. We're going down to Colts level, under 15s, under 16s, under 17s. How is a group of players who spend very little time together going to be able to do that? First of all, I think that we've got to think about what's the defence got to do. But if they're not doing, able to do it at international level, have we got two higher expectations for Colts level? So I'm not saying that international players can't do it. What I'm saying is, or don't do it, what I'm saying is that sometimes it, it overrides, the call overrides the picture that's in front of them because they've called it. And you see it, on a, you see it on, in the Premiership and you see it at international level. Okay, so we know that. So with Colts, you have to drop the level of expectation of what you're going to see and understand that they may very well call a call that's not appropriate for that time, but you've got to allow them to make those mistakes. It's also understanding why you've got a call in the first place or a set move. If it's because it's a means of breaking down the defence and you just, it's, you've struggled in that department, you've just struggled going around them or you've struggled attacking, then okay, fine. If it's because the players want to do it because it's sexy and they like doing that sort of stuff, that's great. But your expectations as a coach have got to be reduced somewhat in terms of what you're expecting the outcome to be. I also think it's got to be very simple and it's got to be practised and practised if you want to see it done correctly. Because once again, conscious thought gets in the way of unconscious action. So I would say to Mark, the reason that they didn't do what he anticipated they would do on the weekend is because they hadn't practised it enough, they weren't confident with it, and there, there may, I don't know, but there may have been too many moves for them to actually know. So you might have coached it, they might have practised it, but have they learned it? Are they comfortable with it? Is it an unconscious action? And I would suggest it probably wasn't. So simplify it, understand what it's about, understand what you're trying to do as, uh, in those shapes, but also understand the first few times you do it, it's probably going to fail. I think the two things that is, one is that where does that confidence come from? And I sense really it comes from the understanding of the picture, understanding that, this is what the defence is probably going to look like. And when the fly half, inside centre, outside centre look up and they see that picture, they say, ah, yeah, this is, going, this is a chance for us to do this. Now, if it doesn't work, then they can reflect on the problems, why it doesn't work. But in training, you should be able to set up those situations as best as possible and say, look, generally, they come up about this pit speed. They'll focus on this player and therefore, the gaps are going to be there. But as you say, the more times that you practice it, the more times you've got that, actually, if one of their defenders steps into this space, I'm going to actually go through here, as opposed to I'm just going to pass the ball in this way. I think the other thing is, and certainly what I used to do a long time ago when I was building up back moves with various different teams, is to manipulate the defence by running what the first move would be we'll remove number one, which was going to be, we'll run a switch play. 
So that's the fly house, which is the inside center. The second move will be dummy switch pop. The third move will be dummy switch miss. And you build up that. So the players begin to build a picture for the defense who are expecting something slightly different every single time. Now, within that, because the players knew what the first move was going to be, they were able to maybe cancel it as they saw the picture change. Now, that was a way of building up confidence within a group. I did it with a certain team, and it had success in the end because they knew that they were what move was going to come up first. It wasn't as if, oh, right, what are we going to call? And they looked down their extensive playlist, as you just said, and there's too many things for them to think about. Yeah, we're going to do this move from here. Now, that's a very simplistic way of doing it. But uh, another thing is, in terms of confidence, is can you run multiple moves from the same shape? Well, I have a couple of thoughts there. Yeah, that, that, probably that's where, that's where it was, this was leading, really, in terms of, first of all, when you practice something new, you don't do it particularly well. Okay, because as I say, those cognitive thoughts. So suddenly you call something. So your scrum half is very conscious of it now. So his natural flow of pass that doesn't look the same. The first receiver has got that in their mind. So suddenly they're catching the ball becomes a cognitive thought because I've now got to pass it to, to this person. So that becomes cognitive. So that slows it down. The dummy runner or runners suddenly are thinking about running and running the lines. And so they slow down. And so suddenly it all, even if you practice a practice in a game, the game is different and it becomes, the first time you use it particularly, it becomes a, such a cognitive overload mm. that you see the skills go down. The fly half doesn't stand in the right position or the first receiver doesn't stand in the right position. The dummy runner goes too early. The guy runs this line a bit too late because he's thinking about this and he's watching the what's happening with the ball. So that might, well, that's why it needs practice and practice and practice. So it does become natural. It needs practice with maybe through walking through, maybe with unopposed, but it also then needs practice with defenders in who do what you expect them to do and then do completely what you don't expect them to do. And that then brings in the override, the council, if you like, and also the players can see the sort of shapes they're looking for in front of them in order to call those moves. But if you have three moves off exactly the same movement patterns... You've got four runners and three of them might receive the ball on different calls. That's got to make your life a lot easier, hasn't it? Really, it's got to make it a lot easier for the boys as well because you're not suddenly thinking that's pattern A, that's pattern B, that's pattern C. You're just thinking, this time I'm going to get the ball, next time he's going to get the ball. Mm. So that's where... And it's not going to come on the first Saturday either. <laughs> it's going to come after weeks and weeks and we have to bear that in mind with professional rugby players and even semi-professional rugby players they get lots and lots of time to practice and practice and I think anyone who's been in say taking a school team and listening in will know that they wish that they had another 10 weeks with them because in week 10 the players start to play the sort of patterns you've been practicing from week one it's very it becomes very frustrating in that sense so yeah you've got to manage some expectations so the, my suggestion here to Mark is that it sounds like a good group, they're engaged and part of the process is to say, let's run 
pattern A or play A and play B and just see what happens. And we'll run them and run them. And let's, the only changes we're going to make from week one to week two is maybe work out, maybe you start your run a little bit later, a little bit earlier, you pass a bit, a bit later, a bit longer. I mean, think also when I see backs plays being run and working with the Bears Academy with you, Gary, we sometimes have a scratch team to play on a Friday and we have one session with them on a Wednesday just because that's the nature of it. And you give them a chance, say, give us a backs move and you watch it and you say, let's start this all again because you've got players sprinting from 30 yards back to take a pass and you have to almost slow the process down because they get, they're not going to run. And when it comes to the actual, the match, they never run it or they run some sort of inside pass play, which you just throw your hands up. But I think the, the point being is that, that the players need to, when they run these backs moves, they need to be more relaxed when they start their running lines and they start their running lines, as opposed to sort of doing it so it has to be absolutely inch perfect. Yeah, and it's, I think when I taught and I had a myriad of back row moves and backwards moves and stuff like that, and then began to doubt myself as a coach because none of them worked. And when I look back now, the reason that they didn't work is because we hadn't practiced them enough or my expectations were way too high, actually. And the defence weren't doing what the defence were meant to do, particularly when you were playing against, what's the word I'm looking for, less prepared teams. And suddenly the the defence didn't even do what you wanted them to do normally. So when you did a backs move, they were just terrible because none of the defenders moved into those spaces. So what was my learning from that? My learning is from having... perfect defences do exactly what you want them to do and then throw a spanner in the work and say don't do that this time I want you to push up, I want you to push wide I want you to give them a space and see if the players recognise the picture in front of them and change accordingly because I think in order for them to succeed at it they've got to fail at it as well and probably fail at it first a few times to see what they're trying to do why the defence didn't do what they expected them to do. Video helps massively in that, but we haven't all got video, have we? So that's the way I would do it. I would do it, I would do it, rehearse it, put a defence in, tell the defence to do what you want to do, do that several times, and then just throw a fly in the ointment and say, don't do that now, do this, and then see how they react to that. And then yeah, what so you've got on the field is you've got thinking players. And, and particularly, you're probably your first receiver, your 10 your is probably the person that's going to most look at it and say, we're going with it or we're not going with it. Yeah. So in, in summary, then, we need to understand that a back smooth may will probably not work week one. If it does, that's great. Let's be patient. Let's keep testing it and see when it comes in. Don't have too many, but there is value in having back smooths. The key t- uh, takeaway from me is that if you have a play, there's two things. You need to know why you're doing it and you need to know what the picture in front of you looks like for you to do it. What I would add to that is that sometimes you might need to be prescriptive. So don't expect, when you've done a practice in a week, don't expect them to do it on the weekend because they're still not, they're still learning it. They may not have remembered it. But when you do, they do use it, I would be a bit more prescriptive and say, don't expect it in the first half. But maybe say in the second half, hey, do you know the, the way that we're playing, the way that defence are, 
do you think there might be an opportunity for tr to try some of the stuff we did in the week? Or when do you think that opportunity might come? Okay, fine, let's look for that opportunity. If that opportunity comes, let's try it. Let's play it and see how it goes. Let's go through with it no matter what, because let's see if it works and, and what the downfalls are. And if it fails, that's on me. It's not on you, that's on me. But let's have a look at it, okay? And then we can have a look at it again during the course of the week. So I would give, I would be prescriptive. I would wait to the second half, probably, if it's something new. I would say, let's look for it. You determine when it's on. And then we'll have a look at it after the game. So that's the way I would do it, really. So given that, something that I probably prefer not to do, and I've probably done it in my time, is shouting the call on from the sideline. Would you yeah, I've done it, it in the past as well. Yeah, I think I've done it twice in my career, and I've never done That was very early because I thought... I was trying to do what I've just said to do which was to help the players to it was okay to do it let's try it and stuff but i would never do it now all i would say suggest at half time is we look at when we might use it look at incident when we might use it and give permit players the permission to use it or not as the case may be and maybe when you reflect on the game you say look we were in there 22 their defense has been up quite tight all the time was that an opportunity to use that call and then you can discuss that. And the fly half might say, no, it wasn't an opportunity because the scrum was under pressure. The passing to me was because the scrum half was under pressure or I didn't feel that we had the time to do it. But, but what you're doing is increasing their game understanding, aren't you? And increasing that discussion and increasing that, that connection between players and coach. That's what I would do now. But yes, twice in my career, I learned very quickly don't ever do that again. <laughs> yeah, I think the key there is giving them permission rather than telling them to do it and so they can see the picture. Gary, thanks very much for that. I hope that was a good answer for you, Mark. For people listening in, if you want to find out more about Ask Rugby Coach Weekly, go to the rugbycoachweekly.net website and click on the podcast button. If you want to send us a question, send it to support at rugbycoachweekly.net. That's support at rugbycoachweekly.net and we will organise for us to listen to your question and come back with some ideas on how you might approach, uh, approach that question and what you might do. So thanks very much, Gary, for your time. Thank you very much, Dan. Enjoyed it. Good, good. Enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> Cheers, thank you, and you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye.